Hey, welcome to episode four of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Joel Grote, and in this episode, Lynn Wilder, my co-host, a former faithful Mormon and a popular professor at Brigham Young University, continues her story about finding grace and hope during a chaotic transition out of her time in a performance-based religion. In Lid's words, it was first of all a year and a half of hell, and then five long years of moving through the stages of grief and loss. In this episode, she shares honestly and candidly, and is even able to laugh now, but then it was one of the rawest, most difficult times in her life and the life of her whole family. So, Lynn and I talk about what you should do if you're walking beside a person transitioning out of a traumatic religious experience. And here's a hint. Don't tell them to just get over it. Lynn also goes into more detail about what she went through and how you too can find hope and healing as you maybe work through difficult circumstances with your life or the life of a loved one a friend, a relative, a co-worker. So thanks for joining us. And by the way, if you are new to the podcast, this is our fourth episode. You can find past podcast on our website that is devoted to this podcast. You can find it at www.unveilinggracepodcast.com. And there you can find show notes, You can find links to previous episodes, and eventually we're going to even have video of our recorded sessions together. So, welcome to this week's episode. We hope you enjoy episode four, You Can't Give What You Don't Have, part three, the conclusion of Lynn's transition story. Thank you so much. We're glad you're here because we're excited about how grace can transform your life and your relationships. I'm Joel. And I'm Lynn. So you know who's who, just so there's no confusion. (laughs) And in our last episode, Lynn was sharing about her transition into grace and leaving, kind of leaving religion behind, leaving especially performance-based religion behind and entering into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, um, exploring the Bible, and finding out not just more about God, but finding out more about herself. And in fact, Lynn, you said in the last episode, um, I asked if it was a little disconcerting because the Holy Spirit started to show you who you really were from God's perspective um, in terms of your flesh and some of the ugliness and your pride. and. And I asked if that wasn't disconcerting, and what you said was, well, that's one way to put it, actually, was more like a year and a half from hell. And when we ended, you were starting to talk about what it was like to go through that. And we were doing that because of the people who, I mean, you're on the other side of that. That's been how many years ago now? Oh, you would ask me that. 11, maybe? Okay, so yeah, 11 years. So there's a lot of time, but for the person who might find themselves just now into that, um, what we want to pick up on today and continue with is, so what was that like? What helped get you through? What should a person expect who maybe they're only two or three months into this transition? They're starting to see themselves as not near as together, not near as holy, 
not near as good as they maybe once thought they were. Um, so go ahead, talk them through what, you know, what you experienced, what they might experience, and then what they should hang on for and why there's so much hope because of grace at the other end. Oddly, the profession that God sent me into years ago is emotional and behavioral disorders. So one of the things wow. I always taught my future teachers, um, one of the things I taught them was Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. So Kubler-Ross was a physician probably in the 70s or 80s, and she figured out that as her patients were dying, their families, as they were grieving, seemed to be showing similar signs of emotions, okay? Mm -hmm. And so she did some research and decided that people, when they go through grief, tend to experience similar kinds of things. And I realized <laughs> when my life began to change and I lost 30 years of friends and I was headed some direction I didn't know, but I knew everything else was behind me, when some great change comes into your life, I was aware of Kubler-Ross's stages, right? Mm -hmm. So they've actually changed a little over the years, so I was going to look for the most recent ones. Okay. First stage is denial. And these are considered stages of grief? Grief. Stages of loss. Right, but people go through them if someone close to you is dying, if um, there's a divorce. Okay. If there's a great change, sometimes a move or someone close right. to you dies, that kind of thing. So okay. some something big that shakes up your there's, life. It's a trauma. It's a trauma to... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I certainly would call my transition a trauma. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm glad you can laugh about it now because I know at the time it was far from anything you were wanting to laugh at. True. So go ahead. So what are these so stages? The first stage is denial. When you know that something's not true that you thought was true, or you're going to have to change, or someone just died and there's this great shock, your brain immediately goes, no, it can't be. I'm going to wake up in the morning and, and things will be just exactly like right. they were, right? It, it just can't be. This can't be happening to me. The next stage is actually anger. Okay. Now, I, I think we should probably do a whole episode on grace <laughs> and do. anger. Let's do. Yes. So, but anyway, so anger and that. So it's normal at first to be shocked and then go, oh no, mm -hmm, this isn't right. happening to me. And then to go to, I can't believe this came <laughs> into my life. You know, I'm so angry. You don't know what to be angry at. What if all of a sudden you had a child with a disability because your kid got hit going across the street, right? Yes. Uh, who are you going to be angry with? Not the kid, the person who hit the kid, maybe the doctor who didn't fix the kid. You know, right. there's this, all this anger. It's called displaced anger, but you kind of don't know where it should go. Well, in this transition, I had this <laughs> anger, right? Um, very normal part. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next thing is... Alright, so when, when we go to that episode, I'm going to want to hear who got your displaced <laughs> anger. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so, okay. So I'm kind of used to my life being public. So anyway, okay, so anger, and then what's the next stage? 
The next stage, according to Kubler-Ross, is bargaining. So you want things to get better, um, and you're trying to bargain with the higher power. Okay, if I do this, will you do this? Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe you'll give me my husband back if I do this, right? Or yes. maybe I can be good enough, and then everything Let's will go back deal. to normal. Let's Whatever deal you want. Deal. So, yeah. The next stage is depression. Okay. When that doesn't work. Right. and you're beginning to think that this change is going to be permanent, then there's this horrendous sorrow that sometimes sets in. That person's not coming back from the grave. My husband's never coming back to me. Um, what I thought was true is not true, and so the life that I once lived is not coming back, right? Yes. And that depression, too, is something that you can live with for a long time. And then the very last stage is acceptance or resolution. So at some point, with all this upheaval, there needs to be hope that you can move forward. But not only move forward, but that things can be not just okay, but even better. Right. than they were. And so that's the process. And for me, Joel, that process took five long years. Wow. I was a mess. I was a basket case for quite a while. And I had given my life to Jesus, and I was in the Word, mm -hmm. and I was giving all this to the Lord. But the changes were long, and they were hard for me, and I think they are for anyone else. I actually was face down praying one morning, and it was as if I heard a voice say, hang on, you're about to rise up. Okay, wow. And there was a moment then when peace came over me. It was as if I had transitioned through all of the stages I had accepted, things were resolving, I had hope that things would be better, and then I was able to move on. But see, part of the horrendous thing that happens when you're going through stages like this, at least for me, was my family was in terrible upheaval. Yes, this wasn't just you that was going through this, this was... It was a result of circumstances as right. well. Right, and this is what happens, right? When one person maybe makes a different decision. Oh, yes. All of a sudden, this perfect eternal family that I had, I've got one on the outs, and then I've got two on the outs, and then I've got some on the outs and some on the ins, then I've got people yelling at each other, maybe not even physically yelling, but definitely on opposite ends of a spectrum. It's and definitely tension. Oh, yeah. So, and relational tension, right? Right. Just, oh, yes. Yeah. And um, this, I mean, and this is so common. I mean, we have um, a couple different support groups through the ministry, and these are the people that I'm working with day in and day out. And this is pretty much now, I would say, a weekly occurrence where somebody comes into the group and they have had this crisis of faith. Um, their involvement in their performance-based religious group has unraveled. They've started to see the truth. They've realized they've been lied to. They've realized things aren't as they were told. And so while they're struggling with that, they're realizing 
my spouse, the person I've been closest to, they're still all in. Mm -hmm. They don't get this at all. In fact, they're starting to think I'm crazy. Right. And so this is, uh, this is traumatic emotionally, spiritually, relationally, physically. I mean, we have people who struggle with being physically ill from the stress of this sort of transition. So, I mean, all that to say to people, it's not easy. And, and I guess I would like to say at this point, and feel free to correct or add on here, but if you know someone who is in a performance-based religion, maybe, you know, hopefully, you know, you're not, you're, you're settled, you know, you've encountered grace, please be patient with them Please come alongside them. Please let them be angry, be depressed. Um, give them the space that they need and the support that they need. Um, you may be one of the few anchors for their soul during it. And so don't rush them. Because we even see this sometimes in the support group. Well, people who have been out, people who are kind of where you are on the other side, it's been 10, 11, 15, maybe 20 years, and somebody new comes in, and they're in the middle of it. And it can be really tempting to say, well, it was all fake. You should know better. Um, you'll just get over it. It'll be fine. And that's really the last thing the person needs to hear. They're not ready to hear that. They just need support. They need relationship. They need community and understanding. Mm. Feel free to comment. So agree. It's what our ministry does. 24 7, right? Right. And it's so, so, so needed as part of the process. Once you have surrendered your life to the biblical Jesus, the God of grace, right? And this yes. grace enters you. It says in the word that by our love, they will know us. The one thing that sets a believer from the rest of the world is that we treat people with love. Is that we, we have should. a love and a grace yes. that God gave us that right. then we should be giving other people. So the divisions, the any kind of arguing, the infighting, should not be part of a believer's um, existence. Although, you know, some of that is just part of living in the world. But certainly you and I agree that a believer should be offering love and right. offering grace and being patient. Now, that little word love, also, I think, means offering truth, but truth in love, in right. the most gracious and patient and, and gentle. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And, and your story, as you're telling it, brings to mind um, a verse that I just heard referenced in a message I was listening to this morning, which is Romans 8.28, mm -hmm. which says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so the one, the one probably biggest anchor of hope I would want to hold out to people is if you have come to know God, if you have had that grace encounter where you've traded your sin for the righteousness of Jesus, you're now an adopted love child of God and you're starting to go through this process, know your assurance is if you love God, and again, that love, is that's relational. 
Um, it's not just if you, it doesn't say if you know God. It doesn't say if you know a lot about God. It doesn't say if you're serving God. It says all things work together for the good of those who love God. Mm, yeah. So if you love God, you can know God and his incredible sovereign power and goodness can work even the trauma you're going through now, whether you're in depression, whether you're in grief, whether you're in denial, at whatever stage you find yourself, God can and wants to work that for your good so that coming out on the other side, you have an ability to now give what you do have to other people and be a conduit. And I mean, from what I know, that has certainly been your experience. God has released you to dreams and ministry and opportunities to touch other people's lives, um, probably beyond your wildest dreams from at least during that year and a half to five years when you were in the throes of some really messy stuff. Had no intention to write a book or do ministry, no. <laughs> God has his own plans for all of this, doesn't he? He does. And that's our confidence. And so, you know, again, what we want to say is thank you so much for being a part of this journey. We hope it's a journey together, a journey into grace and knowing grace and knowing God. Um, is there anything more you want to add about kind of your transition and your story? Well, certainly we should end by giving hope, and that is that Absolutely. when God told me I was about to rise up, there was a moment of peace just washed over me, and I knew what I knew. I knew who He was. I knew who I was in Him. I knew that I was not ashamed of the gospel. I knew that I'd be an absolute fool even on a secular college campus because of the changes that he'd made in my life. Um, I trusted him and yet it's a little scary to totally <laughs> let him have charge, right? Yes. Um, you know, I always thought at this age, at 65, I'd be on a little LDS mission. And I was Doing in November recently, <laughs> right? And I'm looking at all those women in this pioneer dress on these little Mormon missions. And yeah. I just had to laugh at God. Um, I never expected what you brought into my life. And yet, it's so much so rich, so incredibly full, so exciting. Um, and that's the thing. We can trust God with our lives and with the dreams he has for us. I mean, that's part of experiencing grace. Grace isn't just about being saved from your sin. It's about, yes, being reconciled to God so we have that intimate relationship. But God draws us into, into intimate relationship with himself so that he can release us to be his hands and feet and to make a huge difference in the lives of other people and experience his goodness and share that. And, and I guess at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we want for you. So as always, thank you for being with us. Um, we invite you back to uh, future podcasts. Um, and we're happy to hear from you. Yes. 
write, let us know what you thought, have you been helped, what you'd like to hear about. Um, we're willing to hear, glad to hear from you. And we, our prayer is that as you experience grace, that God's grace will help you live and love so that your life flourishes in Jesus Christ. Amen, Joel. Woo, grace be upon you. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. enjoyed this week's conversation and found some joy and hope for your journey, I want to take a moment to share free resources available through our ministries. These are designed to help your research and transition, if that's where you are, or to help you help others who need the message of grace. Everything we share is free to you, including this podcast, wherever you are hearing it. You can find out more about Mike and Lynn Wilder's ministry ex-Mormon Christians United for Jesus on their website, which is found at unveilingmormonism.com or by visiting the podcast website, unveilinggracepodcast.com. From there, you can click the About link at the top of the page. You can get more details about Lynn's transition story as well as the story of the rest of her family via the free documentary called Unveiling Grace. You can actually watch this documentary for free online at unveilinggrace.com. You can get more information about the Institute for Religious Research where Joel has served for the past 30 years at irr.org. Through our website, IRR offers free one-on-one -on -one mentoring for transitioning Mormons done by former Mormons who know and love Jesus. To learn more about this support program, click on the Request a Mentor button anywhere on the website. Lynn and I are also part of a Facebook support group for transitioning Mormons. It's called Mormons in Transition. It's a closed private group, so you will need to request access. But once you answer a couple of questions when you make your request and we verify who you are, we'd love to have you join a vibrant and growing community of people transitioning out of performance-based religion and finding help, hope, and healing together. One final note, Lynn and I and the ministries that we represent rely on the generous donations of people who believe in and appreciate the work we do. We would be grateful and honored to have you partner with us to help keep this podcast on the air. You can go to our website, unveilinggracepodcast.com, and from there go to our donate page. Once you are there, you can donate securely and simply. It only takes a couple of steps. We would love to have you be a part of the team that is helping people experience a grace that heals. Now, here's an excerpt from next week's episode, The Jesus of Grace. Yes, and I'm going to say the same thing to you. So put that into kind of natural lay language. What's, so what's going on here in just this couple of verses? There's a lot of theology. Yeah, before the ages began, there was grace in Jesus Christ, and he chose to come and take our sins, right, at mm -hmm. a certain time in history so that we might live. 
So this grace has been with God a long time. It is a major part of the plan of salvation. Right. right? And it's given freely. It's given In freely. In fact, it's given to us before we could even do anything about it. Yeah, for his Before purpose. the foundation of the world. Yeah. So that really kind of um, turns a lot of performance-based religion on its head because within performance-based religion, it's all about you. When you do good things or when you kind of connect in with God, then you get this grace that helps. And as long as you continue to do well, you kind of continue to get the grace or the power. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really a lot of the pressure is on you to keep performing so that you're still in good with God. And I don't know if you have any stories off the cuff, but I, and I can't think of any specific, but I know so many times where I've heard testimonies of people who said, I was just kind of like going along in my life clueless to how alienated I was from God, clueless from my standing with God, and it's like God intervened and flipped a switch and all of a sudden I saw myself radically different from how I'd seen myself before. And there's that grace of God showing us our need for grace, um, which is so cool when it happens, but if you're kind of on the other side in a performance-based religion and you feel like you're doing well, it's almost insulting to be told, well, actually you need something from outside of you. What you're doing isn't really something that is pleasing to God. Pretty much every person I talk to in ministry that begins to have an interest in this God of grace has had some kind of a drawing experience. Sometimes they're pretty profound. Here's one of my favorite ones. Okay. Several years ago I got a phone call from a gentleman who was quite distraught on the other end. And he kept saying, I think I'm crazy. There's something wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't put the Bible down. Wow, he just he, had, he called you out of the blue. How did he hear about? Well, did he hear about? I'm sure he found me on the internet, probably okay. like most. So he just calls you up, and this is what he starts telling you. Yes, he's quite upset. <laughs> okay. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's as if grace has reached out and changed this man. So we hope you'll join us next week for the rest of this story in another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place where you can experience a grace that heals.